The following is Voices of Experience radio show and podcast. No promotional fees are paid by authors or other guests who appear on the show. If you have comments or suggestions, call the Voices of Experience hotline at 425-653-1166. That's 425-653-1166. Welcome to Voices of Experience on Kixie AM 880, and of course, simulcast on KKNW 1150 AM. My name is Paul Casey, along with uh, Eric Crema and Eric Ryder. Welcome to our show for today. We have a great lineup, very diverse lineup. I'm going to start out today with an interview with a Morris Pearl, and he's the executive director of the Patriotic Millionaires. And they're in existence to lobby Congress, now get this, to increase their taxes on the wealthy, which includes him and the rest of its members. Incredible effort. So we're going to be hearing that first up today. But Eric, you have a pretty interesting interview today as well. We're going to play that towards the end of the show, but doesn't mean it's important. It's very important. It's an organization called Seniors Helping Seniors. That's right. It's actually a company uh, here in Western Washington, up in Shoreline. I had a chance to meet with the owners, Kim and Tom, delightful couple, and uh, you'll you'll get it when you hear them in the interview. Just the passion they have for their business, and and what the business can do for either yourself or maybe a loved one who just needs some help to stay in their home. And so that's all I'm going to say there. You you just need to wait and listen to it about the 45 minute mark, uh, and you'll hear that. Uh, you'll hear that interview. Lots of great interviews, actually, today. It's wonderful. Yeah, and also you have something else about a survey that's being done right now. Right now, And if you heard the show or listening to the show on KKNW, you're hearing about a survey. Yeah, exactly. And a lot of our hosts have been talking about this. We would love for you to go to our website and fill out the survey. It helps us shape this radio station. And if you're a fan of Voices of Experience, uh, please List that as you go through the survey. It's the 2023 Alternative Talk 1150 AM Listeners Survey, something we try to do each and every year over the course of a month. So it's a long time here. We're trying to get as many opinions and answers as possible. So it started March 27th. It'll go all the way through April 23rd. And all you have to do is go to our website, 1150kknw.com. It'll hit you right smack dab between the eyes. As soon as you get to that website, you'll see where you click to start the survey. 1150kknw.com. I'm sorry, 1150kknw.com. And the survey's pretty lengthy, but I'll tell you what, it really does help us. And we read each and every answer, and uh, it helps us shape this radio station. And really, as a further incentive, a chance for you to uh, win a round-trip passage on the Victoria Clipper up to Victoria, B.C., plus $100 in gift certificates from Famous Dave's Restaurant. So there you go. All you got to do, no purchase necessary. Just fill out the survey, and you're entered to win. There you go, Paul. Well, sounds good to me. Um, you know, vote for Voices of Experience wherever you do. I'm not above bribes. I can <laughs> give bribes for this. So um just voices of experience no that's great eric um everybody get on that and do that because it does help absolutely um, we do have a couple other guests today i'll mention a sharish zarunian she's a young writer a producer of a tv show called one plus one is two 
and a pretty amazing individual, very young, and you'll hear about it again in the interview. I won't go into great detail right now, but one thing that struck me during the interview is that in the first grade, she had a teacher, she wrote something about a Thanksgiving holiday, and her teacher read it, and again, she's in first grade. Hmm. She was so enthused about what she wrote, she called her mother and just said how wonderful this is. From that point on, she started writing. So it just really, again said to me how important teachers are, and thank you for the great teachers out there. That's great. You know, those are the kind of calls as a parent you want to get from the school. I don't know. Yeah, exactly. I don't know if my parents got those kind of calls, but, man, that'd be great. <laughs> your, your, your child did something like that in the first grade. Amazing. You come to think of it, I'm not sure I got too many of those myself. But nonetheless, <laughs> they are important. Voices in History for today, the first live radio broadcast in the history of sports occurred 102 years ago this week. Was it in Los Angeles? Was it in Pittsburgh, Chicago, somewhere else? I will say it's one of those three cities, but you'll just have to stay tuned to find out which one. Pretty amazing. Timeless classics for today. One of the best love songs of all time, according to Rolling Stone magazine, and it was also nominated for the Grammy Award for Song of the Year, is the one we're going to play today for our timeless classics. Mm, that's a that's a thinker right there. What do you think, Eric? What's that? I said that's a thinker. What yeah, do, what you're not th- going to jump on this one as fast as you did the last couple of weeks with well, that description. I always defer all the music trivia <laughs> questions over to. <laughs> well, Mr. I Wright. I know what the song is, but I I think it oh, does. That's right. It, it does. Yeah, you cheat. You know what it is. <laughs> That's true. Well, I don't have a choice. I got to be prepared for the show. But of course. Uh, yeah, you got to load it. I understand. I, I think this one does live up to the hype. So, okay. yeah, people should do, look Do you like the song, Eric? I think it's a good song. Yeah. Okay. It passes it, the muster. We will play it today. It, it's got to be good if it's on the timeless classic oh, yeah. uh, list. That's true. You know? It's very hard to get on this list. It takes years. That's right. It better be timeless. And it doesn't have to be peculiar like the peculiar podcast of Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster. Now, today, I'm just uh, suggesting that we explore one of the deepest subjects of our times, with which they addressed on their latest podcast. And here it is. How good were the Three Stooges? Why did boys love the Three Stooges and girls hated them? We're going to unveil some of those deep-seated thoughts And some of the Stooges' antics, which Pat Cashman is kind of advancing, is that some of their things that they do, bopping on the head and all that, be inserted into hot news. And I think they're onto something. But we'll just have to wait and and hear what they have to say. But again, this is serious stuff. So Voices of Experience, what's it about? We uh, believe that everyone has a story. And we talk to people with experience in the public affairs and travel and fitness, education, entertainment, like today, and with an emphasis on entrepreneurship. Now, Voices of Experience Message Center is at 425-653-1166. Call at any time. Leave a message. Let us know if you'd like to hear something that we're not covering or make suggestions for future shows, or just leave a comment. That number is 425-653-1166. Morris Pearl, Executive Director of Patriotic Millionaires, next.
Morris Pearl has joined us, and he's the chairman of Patriotic Millionaires. And this is a nonpartisan, nonprofit organization of Americans with a high net worth. And what they are in existence to do is to promote the restructuring of the American tax system. And get this, they want to pay more taxes. They believe our system is unfair. Patriotic Millionaires is a lobby group based in Washington, D.C., and started in 2010. Let's just get right to my interview with Morris Pearl, chairman of Patriotic Millionaires. I want to start out this segment with a quote. A tiny number of people are using their money to increase their political power and using their political power to increase their wealth, and it's killing America. Chairman of Patriotic Millionaires, Morris Pearl, your words. Well, yeah, it's true. We have a few people who are influencing our legislators to change the laws to make them even richer. And then they're getting even more influence with our legislators because they're donating more and more money, although a tiny fraction of the amount of money they're making from the changes in the laws. You know, look at who donated money to Paul Ryan the day after the tax cut act was passed in the end of 2017. It was tens of millions of dollars. And that was donated by people who are going to say, who have saved billions and billions of dollars. So they're getting, you know, tens of thousands percent return on an investment. And yeah, it makes sense from a financial point of view, but not from a democracy point of view. You just said something there I think is uh, says it all when you say their investment. It shouldn't be an investment in politics, but it certainly is, and more so than ever. When you talk to some of our politicians, elected officials, they ask donors for investments. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I mean, they're not even hiding it now. That's what's uh, interesting. Also wanted to ask, there was some statistic I heard years ago, and it stuck with me for probably about 20 years, and that is, and I remember because the background was like a football stadium, and it said like 60,000 people, which would fill a football stadium, an average football stadium, have about uh, 90% of the wealth in this country. Is that anywhere close to being true? That was stunning to me. Yeah. I mean, well, I mean, look at things. The majority of people in our country, the majority have zero savings in the stock market or any of these investments that are doing well. And things are vastly unequal. We have a few people, people like Mr. Zuckerberg and Mr. Bezos and Mr. Musk, who have hundreds of billions of dollars. So that really throws the averages off quite a bit. We might have an average of a few hundred thousand dollars per person, but if a few people have hundreds of billions and the majority of people have zero, that's not really a very meaningful average. And yeah, this country is more unequal now than it was when people like John D. Rockefeller were um, you know, the richest people in the world. You know, there was a time, I'm going back to history again to kind of set the stage for what your efforts are all about, but there was a time in history when a CEO, as I recall again, would earn no more than, well, 34 to 1 was the equation, that the CEO would not earn any more than 34 uh, times what the lowest employee made. For example, the CEO would make X amount of dollars, and then they'd measure what a janitor or something like that was making. And that's how they kind of used the rule of thumb to establish a CEO's salary. That is long gone. I mean, there are 
plenty of companies that have CEOs who make a thousand times what the low-paid people were. And that's part of the reason we have so much inequality in our country now. Most people are not feeling like they and the people that run their companies are sort of on the same side, doing things together, living in the same communities, sending their kids to the same schools, playing for the same softball team or whatever. Now, you know, a few decades later, things have changed a lot. And this, the very rich live in different worlds, behind walls, behind gated communities. I mean, our country is looking a lot more like, you know, a banana republic than a Western democracy. And we're, that's what I'm afraid of, is moving in that direction. Now, your history in this organization, Patriotic Millionaires, how did you get involved and why? I've been involved in this, well, a little bit since the beginning, about 10 years ago, over 10 years ago now. You know, I really got involved full time um, in 2014. I was then working for BlackRock, the biggest investment managing company in the world. My clients were like government agencies. We were figuring out how much the bailout was costing the taxpayers. We were trying to um, do similar projects for other countries like the United Kingdom and Greece. And one day I was in a due diligence meeting in the top floor penthouse dining room at the headquarters of um, one of the big banks in Greece. And I walked over to the window so people wouldn't see I was taking two desserts from the buffet table. And I thought I was watching a parade for a minute. And I suddenly realized it wasn't a parade. I was watching a riot moving down the street towards where Parliament was meeting. Finished my chocolate pudding, and I turned around. And I walked back to the couple dozen bankers we were having lunch with. And I kind of thought to myself, am I really doing any good for the rest of the people of Greece or anyone else except for these couple of dozen bankers whose jobs we were hopefully saving by getting their bank bailed out by the IMF and the ECB? And a couple of months later, I've just decided I've done as much as I could for the shareholders of BlackRock, and I've been doing sort of advocacy and policy work full time, trying not just to do something myself, but to change the policies of our government so that the next generation, my children and hopefully grandchildren, you know, will grow up with the kind of opportunities that I grew up with to build businesses and invest in things and do things and, you know, have a good life for everyone. Do you think you're making progress? Oh, yeah, we really are. I mean, look at how things were, say, from five years ago until now. You know, in 2016, these were off-the-wall crazy ideas that few people were talking about. Now, the President of the United States, the Chairman of the Senate Finance Committee, are talking about the need to change the tax code to make rich people pay at least the same tax rates as people who work for a living. And I look at your website, I see not only you're involved in trying to shine a light on these efforts of inequality, but you also are very active in states to try to increase minimum wage. Yes. We've been working on promoting higher wages for people. And it makes sense. Businesses do better in place with high wages. When you're starting a new business, Think about it. Do you want to go to a low-wage place or a high-wage place? Most people prefer starting a business in a place where people are making enough money to shop at their business. You know, if you own a bar, you care a lot more about how much beer money all the people sitting around the bar have in their pockets on Friday nights 
then about the wages of the one guy who's standing behind the bar pouring the beer. And that is a lot better for you than to go to a low-wage place where no one can afford to buy beer anyway. It is not that hard to really think it through and figure out what you're saying is correct. I mean, you want a healthy, vibrant community to support the businesses. Henry Ford understood that to be successful, he had factory workers had to make enough money so they could buy cars eventually. Yeah, I remember reading that. Company. Yes, he had that. Hey, who's going to buy the cars? Oh, my workers. Kind of like Walmart. When you look at um, some of the minimum wages there, they can't afford to almost buy their own goods. I remember there was a story years ago that they had an effort going to give their employees free turkeys at Thanksgiving. And it's like, well, you should be paying enough money where they could buy a turkey. Yeah, exactly. Because the wages in aggregate over the whole country, wages are equal to the total sales that stores make. You know, because everyone makes money and spends money in, in an average, average sense. And, yeah, people have to realize that, you know, for one business person, raising the wages is an expense. But for the, if you look at having all businesses raise wages, that's income to the businesses. Even the people who are complaining, who are saying they'd be driven out of business when the minimum wage was raised in Seattle a couple of years ago, those very people are actually leasing bigger spaces for their restaurants because more people are eating out now because they make more money and they can afford to eat out more. Well, you mentioned Seattle. That's my hometown. That's where I live. And um, when that happened, I was very proud of our city being the first out of the shoot to put the minimum wage at $15 an hour. And they're talking about doing even greater uh, increases going forward. Yes, you have gross inequality between the very high-paid people who can afford to buy big houses and spend money on condos and whatnot, and a lot of workers who are doing okay, but not well enough to compete. So you're seeing a more disparity. But overall, higher wages are better than lower wages. I think most people would agree with that. How about some of the names of the people involved like you in this effort? Well, we have a lot of people. We have hundreds of members of our group. Um, Nick Hanauer from your part of the country famously wrote the piece about uh, pitchforks, saying that the rich people had to change course because of um, society was just falling apart, basically. You know, if you look at our website, patrioticmillionaires.org, you can see lists of you know many of our people who've chosen to list their names on the website. And you'll see a lot of them are retired business people, our investors, our current business owners, our um, you know retired people who are engineers at Google, and a lot of people who just understand that the way our country is going is going to lead in the wrong direction. I wanted to ask another question uh, before we go, and that is about what I consider, and I've read about the myth of the wealthy people, the billionaires, now trillionaires, being job creators, they need more of that money when the evidence shows otherwise. Oh, that's a ridiculous argument. You know, I invest money. I own hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of stock in Apple and Amazon and you know, other companies like that. None of my investing in that stock created employment for anybody. Not anybody. What creates employment for Apple 
is those hundreds of people lined up around the block when a new iPhone comes out because they want to buy the new iPhones. Those are the job creators, not the people trading stock in the stock market. Yeah, that harkens back to the Eisenhower years. And when um, the tax rate, I believe, in terms of dollars, was like was like $250,000. You had a certain tax rate. I don't know what that was, but it was fairly low. But then if you made anything over 250000 it was taxed at 90%. So if people are looking now like a, this is repressive, go back to the 1950s, again, under Republican uh, President Eisenhower. When the country was building things, creating an interstate highway system, building VA hospitals for everyone. We were doing very well when the richest among us were paying high taxes, not on all of their income, but on the marginal income above those high limits. Yes, we can have a perfectly good country where rich people pay higher tax rates on their second million. Not the first million, but the second million. My thanks to Morris Pearl, the chairman of Patriotic Millionaires, if you'd like to find out more information about this organization, all you need to do is visit patrioticmillionaires.org. That's patrioticmillionaires.org. You just received some startling news. You're going to need brain surgery. But the doctor also says your prospects for total recovery are excellent. The doctor is very confident with his prognosis. He's performed hundreds of similar surgeries during his career. Who would you choose, this doctor or another doctor who's never performed this type of surgery? If the doctor who's performed similar surgeries is your choice, then experience is important to you. That's what Voices of Experience with Paul Casey is all about. People with experience in their chosen fields. Topics explored including public affairs, self-employment, travel, health and fitness, history, and adventure. Welcome to this edition to Voices of Experience. My name is Paul Casey. Voices of Experience is simulcast on AM 880 KIXI and 1150 AM KKNW on Wednesdays at 3 p.m. Voices of Experience is also rebroadcast on Kixie Sunday mornings at 11 a.m. Visit VoicesOfExperience.com and take a five-minute self-employment quiz. The higher you score on the quiz, the higher your prospects for success. That's VoicesOfExperience.com. Hi, this is Eric Ryder, Operations Manager for 1150 AM KKNW. We value your opinion and invite you to 1150KKNW.com to fill out the 2023 KKNW Listener Survey. Your responses help us to shape KKNW to your listening needs. As an added incentive, when you fill out the survey, you'll have a chance to win an awesome prize. Complete contest details and your opportunity to help us shape this station can be found at 1150KKNW.com. Welcome back to Voices of Experience. This is Paul Casey, along with Eric Kramer and Eric Ryder in the studios. And we now move on to Voices of History. And uh, here is what we have for today. On April 10th, 1953, the horror film The House of Wax, starring Vincent Price, opens in New York's Paramount Theater. It was the first movie that was shot using the three-dimensional film process, and it was also one of the first horror films to be shot in color. On April 11, 1921, a radio station, KDKA in Pittsburgh, broadcast the first live sporting event in radio history, a boxing match between Johnny Ray and Johnny Dundee. About four months later, the same station, Harold Arlen 
announced the first Major League Baseball game to be broadcast in history. Hmm. On April 11th, 1970, Apollo 13 launches for the first time. Well, that Apollo 13 launched for the first time. Destination, the moon. Then something broke through at some point in the flight, about two days into it. Houston, we have a problem. Mm -hmm. There yep. was an explosion that rocked the spacecraft. An oxygen tank disabling the normal supply of, of oxygen blew up. Tense days in Apollo 13, but it was parachuted to safety in the Pacific Ocean. I imagine you guys both remember that. I was a little young, 1970, but I was, I was wondering if you'd remember that, Paul. Well, I did, and um, I do remember it happening, and I remember thinking that it wasn't as serious as I thought it may be mm. because I had so much faith in the space program that they'll fix this. Mm -hmm. reason I mentioned, because I was getting confused with the movie, of course, was in 1995, <laughs> I believe, released, thinking it was around then, but... <laughs> Um, that's what I say. Fantasy and reality are sometimes <laughs> it was a connected. Great, it was a great movie. <laughs> yes, it, it was a great movie. And the thing is, I realized then, only then, how close we were to losing the spacecraft then and how mm. much trouble it really was. And I think that was some of the arrogance of the program. And Eric, you know, you mentioned that. And just to elaborate just a little bit on that, in the movie... You could see at one stage, I saw this a long time ago, but they were talking about to the astronauts going up, well, this is kind of becoming easy and stuff like that. And what's the big deal? Even people were losing interest. Mm. I remember Tom Hanks, who was in the movie, one of the people, one of the three astronauts, I can't remember which one he played, looked at him and said, you know, there's nothing easy about this. This thing's like a risk every time, like, you know, this, things can go yeah. wrong. It was kind of an interesting part of the movie and probably did happen. Yeah, and of course that um, line, I, Houston, we but, have a problem, went down in history. I mean, right, exactly. You hear that now and you pretty much know what that was referring to. And now we're going back to the moon uh, with the Artemis too. That's right. And yeah. they're going to circle the moon, right? That's right, yeah. Okay, and how long are they going to be up? You know, I'm not 100% sure, but uh, I know that uh, th this is supposed to launch in November 2024. So we've got uh, a little bit of time here. Well, okay. we're going to be hearing about all the details of it. Thanks for the update on that, because I missed that in the weekly New York quiz about uh, when that was going back. So now I know. Thank you, Eric. <laughs> uh, let's see. On April 12th, 1861, that's today in 1861, though. The Civil War begins. The Confederate forces fire on Fort Sumter. On April 13th, U.S. Major Robert Anderson surrendered. Two days later, President Abraham Lincoln called 75,000 volunteer soldiers to put down this insurrection. And um, there was the beginning of the Civil War. On April 13, 1997, Tiger Woods wins the first Masters Championship Tournament for the first time, by a record 12 strokes. It was his first victory, many more to follow. I did watch him walking down the fairway in that last hole, and it was really an amazing moment uh, when, he, when he did that. Um, and that's all I can say. It was a pretty remarkable time. Yeah, there's those events in life where you know you're witnessing history, and that's one of them. Yeah, and that absolutely. Was, that was a positive history to be witnessing. Whereas, you know, disasters and things like that obviously aren't, but you still remember them. 
and think that, you know, what was so remarkable about it, like African-Americans couldn't belong there. All they were were catter, catter, uh, caddies, you know, caddies. Yeah. And then they uh, could do all that. And um, then they got to play. But it was only recent history that they really got to play. And then he wins right. it by 12 strokes, the largest margin in history. That that said something. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember him embracing his father and mother at the end. So it was a pretty special moment in sports history. And on April 5th, 1929, closer to home, the first radio stations to begin broadcasting throughout the state of Washington that were not based in Seattle was on the campus of Washington State University, KWSU, and KGY in Olympia. So these are I worked there briefly. Of, again, the History Channel and, uh, excuse me? I, I worked at KGY briefly. Did you really? Yeah, very cool station. It's uh, It's built out over the water. Uh, so, yes, so on I remember a dock. that. Yeah. I lived in Olympia and saw that. Story. I used to drive by and go, God, that'd be a great place to work. <laughs> it was. It was cool. Yeah. Now, is KGY still around? It is. Okay. Eric, Eric used to open the studio windows and fish for lunch. <laughs> I could have. <laughs> I could have. Yeah. What's the format now, Eric? Uh, you know, I'm not sure because I haven't checked in uh, in a long time, but I just saw a recent news report uh, that uh, apparently the building may be under threat because, of course, you've got rising waters everywhere. So you build out on the water. Eventually you have issues. But uh, last last I checked, they were like a, a AC format. OK, makes sense. Well, that's what I got for today for uh, Voices of History. That was a good one. So we will begin to uh, hit our next segment. Any comments, Eric, before we do that? No, I was just saying that was great voices in history. Loved it. All right. Sounds good. So let's uh, move on in just a moment. We'll go to Pat Cashman and Lisa Foster, peculiar broadcast. And as I said at the beginning of the program, uh, they're talking about a very serious subject, and that's the Three Stooges. I do some stupid stuff when I'm watching TV. This could come as a surprise to you. But I, um, I'd i like to tell you, I was watching Masterpiece Theater sure. or the uh, Nova, the perhaps. original movie version of Hamlet. But no, I was watching the Three Stooges Marathon <laughs> yesterday. They still amuse me. I'm fascinated by them. There really was no other group like them that, that did comedic things in, sight, in in quite the same way, and, and especially with their crazy mayhem and popping each other over the head with stuff, slapping each other, poking each other's eyes. I just never found that amusing at all. It didn't, it just, I don't know. It just well, left. don't apologize. Cold. I think it's very much a man, a man and boy kind of thing, especially boys. We thought it was hilarious. <laughs> and of course, we would do it to ourselves as well, sometimes with. Yeah. But I don't think many women like the Stooges because, you know, women don't care for it's that. It's just dumb. Kind of it's just dumb. And I imagine how many childhood injuries were caused by those yeah you know, ridiculous men. Well, I remember grown adults, grown adults <laughs> on a movie set doing that. And then you're right, these kids. And so I wonder how many kids ended up hurt because of that. 14. Actually, <laughs> okay. Well, I actually that's have it in front bad. of me here. Yeah. Not as bad not as you would bad. think. Yeah. No, no. I remember we did the eye poke and oh, we'd, we'd hit each over over the head with plastic baseball bats and stuff like that. <laughs> my brothers and I thinking that was, 
Just hilarious. <laughs> yeah. Well, as I'm watching the Stooges yesterday, I thought they're they're so they're such uh, they're so crazy, they're so madcap, they're so unrefined and goofy and silly and uh, overtly and stupidly violent that yeah. I, I I dreamed that wouldn't it be cool if in the middle of a movie of comparative stature, uh, suddenly the the Stooges burst in. Hey, look, a rooster bar. <laughs> And then they're gone, and then the, and then the movie resumes. Uh, let me give like you what, like what for instance. Let me give you an example of how it would work. Here's okay. Gone with the Wind. No oh, God. Red, Red, you go. Where shall I go? What shall I do? <laughs> Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. See, I think that makes a. That makes the movie kind of more interesting. I think you're right. I would watch the Stooges if they did it that way. I just yeah. can't sit through an hour and a half of them. But yeah, yeah if you just <clears throat> in small little like doses, I think would be pretty hilarious. Yeah, you could put them into a, an even more serious movie. My name is Geneva Montoya. You killed my father. What happened? Nothing. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yeah. So there you go. I, I It's just something I was thinking about yesterday. It may be another of my money-making schemes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so. Uh, and that, and oh. that also uh, reminds me of just, you know, lightening up bad news for somebody. I think we've talked about this. That's another good idea. Yeah, How about a newscast a- with bad news yes. and then the Stooges burst in? Yes. Uh, the indictment itself doesn't talk about whether or not what, what crime was relied upon to bump it up from a misdemeanor to a felony. Oh, This, this is all about election interference, and that's how they're framing it. I think we may be on to something here. Okay, it's really hard to follow up with something halfway serious after that. That's the problem with those two together. You know what I mean? I'm over here laughing. That's great. <laughs> I don't know. I see it. I see you. Saturday morning watching that stuff. Yes. <laughs> I had a moment where I was uh, kind of fell out of favor. I watched the Stooges when I was about eight years old, but I loved Curly. I'd always be disappointed when Shemp was there. Curly was the guy. Yeah. Mo, Larry, and Curly. And when Curly wasn't there, I'd get really angry. And then <laughs> I didn't watch them for years. And then, of course, I hit older, and I think I'm really cool now. And I the Stooges, they're dumb. Kind of what Lisa was thinking. That was stupid. I came home one night, and I was just flipping through the stations. And all of a sudden, I see the Stooges, and I go, oh, good God. I was about ready to change it. And oh, my gosh, I watched it for about 20 minutes. That's all the episodes. That's how long they were about, if that. Yeah. I was howling. I was just <laughs> laughing. And I couldn't stop. Some of them, you know, were kind of corny, but some of them were pretty damn good. So anyhow. Well, in somewhat related and <laughs> somewhat related subject matter, I tell my wife all the time, I'll watch more rom-coms with you if there's a, a little bit more action, a little bit car, car chases, explosions. That's all I need. Just one, maybe one every 10 minutes. Keep my attention. And that's your fix. One every 10 minutes. Yeah. And you're good. Yep. Let's put it in there. All right. Wait, we're going to move on to some other creative person. Uh, Not quite on the three stooges level, but I'm sure she's aiming for that. And that's uh, Sharice Zerunian. And she's an author, screenwriter, filmmaker, and she's a poet. 
Let's just get to the interview, and I'll let you know a little bit more about her on the backside of this interview. What inspired you to get into the field that you are in now? I guess I consider it two fields, really, because there's the writing and the filmmaking. Um, I guess I'll start with the writing because that's what I, I think I primarily consider myself to be a writer, and that's what um, that's what what I come at filmmaking with from a writing background. So I have always, always considered myself pretty adept when it comes to things that involve um, literacy, reading, writing. Like when I was a kid, I was one of the subjects that I didn't have much trouble with. I was encouraged to write creatively by my teachers and a little bit by my parents. I think the one teacher that really made me think that I could do this. I mean, we had to write about how our Thanksgiving was. And that year in Boston, it had just monstrous snowstorm. Like, we just had buckets of snow dumped on us. And so I wrote about how I went sledding with my neighbors and how I cooked with my dad. And I didn't think it was anything particularly special um, the way I had written it. But apparently, the teacher thought that the writing was so good that she had me call my mom and read it to her, like in the middle of the work day. And I was like, oh, <laughs> all right. <laughs> so um, that kind of set me on the path of thinking, all right, maybe I could keep at it. I had my parents' video camera in my hand, like all the time. And I would, that's when I also started learning how to edit. You have a production out now that's called One Plus One is Two, and it's on Amazon. Mm -hmm. And I understand that, there were a couple episodes out, but then um, COVID hit, and it's in, it was delayed, and now it's back in production. Describe what that's about. Yeah, sort of. So it's actually what, what happened is that I, we were filming the pilot, and then COVID happened. And that caused a delay in getting the pilot out. So we finally got the pilot out at the very end of 2020. I think it was in like November or something of 2020. And then we once we deemed it safe to start filming again in person we because the, the pilot one of the last scenes that we shot for that was done like i think the week everything shut down we were shooting in a school i remember we were filming in a school building and they're like okay you guys have like two hours to do this because we're closing because of this virus and we we're like ah and then you know we we didn't know when we were going to start again but we started again i think the summer of 2021 and we, after he developed some COVID protocols and made sure everybody was tested on time and those who could get vaccinated at the time were vaccinated. And it was, we just started that up. It was mostly outdoor production. I had to cut down a lot of stuff. Um, unfortunately, in those two years, child actors age out. So we had to change their roles. And um, luckily, this is a show that has a lot of flashbacks to the past. So, you know, you could work around that in many ways. Um, and also, and, it, and thank goodness for that, because we also had quite a few actors leave the show, not because they had a problem with it, just because, you know, they, some of them moved on to, like, bigger and better things, like things on HBO and stuff. I was like, okay, you know, I don't fault them for that. So, yeah, we had all kinds of issues to work around. What is uh, one plus one is two? What's it about? The, the story takes place today in contemporary times but it was um there's a lot of flashbacks of the 1960s and 1970s his main character was a, a an advocate for special education right as the special ed special education was beginning to grow legs 
as as a cause in this country. Because back in the 1960s, it was like only one in five students with a disability could go to school. This was an issue that was very close to the main character's heart because she is, her name is Marielle, Marielle Morin. And she is, back then they couldn't diagnose dyslexia, but today we would say that's what she has. And so she had to drop out of school. She was working in a supermarket and then she decided to make this grassroots movement in her community with a bunch of parents to um, basically to make sure that kids with disabilities has the right to go to school just like children without disabilities. Wow, sounds very complex, very timely. I do remember growing up in that era, the issues surrounding that were not known and then uh, to have them come to the forefront. So this is a very interesting effort, and I think that you know a lot of other things that we may be not paying attention to today, we'll rethink some things because of your efforts here. All right, that's Sharish Zerzunian. A pleasure to have her on the radio show. And again, the show we were just talking about is one plus one is two. You can stream that, and all you need to do is Google one plus one is two, and you'll find it if you like to watch it. And again, we've been talking to author, screenwriter, and filmmaker, and poet, Sharice Zerzunian. Thank you very much. On to the next interview. And welcome to this edition of Spotlight on Success. Hi, I'm Eric Krima. You're listening to, I hope, your favorite radio stations, Kixie AM 880, and of course, KKNW AM 1150. This program airs inside Voices of Experience each week. On Kixie and KKNW, 3 o'clock in the afternoon. Really appreciate your time listening to it. And also on podcasts. So be sure to download the podcast and listen each and every week. I have a great show today. I have in the interview, uh, in studio, in person, which is great, Kim and Tom Steggy. They are co-owners of Seniors Helping Seniors in Shoreline. We're going to learn about their business and what their service is all about and why you might be interested. So welcome to the studios, you two. Great to see you. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you. Appreciate your time. Kim, maybe I'll throw the first sort of question to you. Uh, The obvious one for our audience is going to be, what is Seniors Helping Seniors? Well, Seniors Helping Seniors is an in-home care agency and uh, that is located in Shoreline. Mm -hmm. And we provide services to seniors just to help them stay independent in their homes. Okay. That's our whole mission. And we do, um, we can do some light housekeeping and chore services for them, maybe some meal prep or transportation to doctor's appointments, but also that higher level care where we can help with showering and bathing and um, those kinds of things that when someone needs just a little bit extra help. It is really becoming important, I think, for seniors to want to stay in their homes if they can. It's really interesting, the dynamic of baby boomers, at least in my mind, and how active they still are and and if they can stay in their home, they want to. So this almost seems like a really neat stopgap. It is. And we we both had parents. Part of our story is we had, each had a parent that very much wanted to stay at home and needed extra help. And so we felt so called to this concept because we do think that, I think the stat is over 90% of people when asked, they just want to stay at home and do what they can to be able to age in place. Now, Tom, I was on your website the other day, and I like how you can just scroll across and see all the services, and it really blew my mind. There's so much to it when you think about different levels of what people might need in terms of assistance. Talk to us about your typical person you work with. What are some of the things that they're looking for with Seniors Helping Seniors 
to help better their lives and make sure that they can stay in their homes. Right. So we find that there's a couple different levels of care that we provide. We provide uh, companionship, homemaker services, where we're just helping people maybe get to the store, do some meal preparation, uh, a little bit of light housekeeping, um, take a walk with them and their dog, really just sort of checking up on them and helping them out with the day-to-day tasks that we all do and we all take for granted. Uh, Then there's personal care, which we need to have a certified caregiver, either a home care aide or a CNA come by. And that's help with the things that you really need to be independent, Uh, sometimes called like the activities of daily living, where you need help maybe grooming, helping to go to the bathroom, helping to transfer out of your bed into your comfy chair or Mm -hmm. wheelchair so you can get about during the day. Gotcha. And again, I want to give out that website because uh, it's a great source for learning more. It's Snow King, altogether, S-N-O-KingSeniorCare.com. Just check out that website, SnowKingSeniorCare.com, and uh, you'll, you'll glean a lot of what we're talking about right here. What I like, too, about your business, uh, Kim, is the fact that um, you know not only do you have services for people, but you have employment opportunities for people. Talk about that. We do. Um, we have a unique model in this industry that we really do um, strive to hire senior caregivers. We, we have this peer-to-peer model where we hire mature caregivers, many who are seniors themselves. So we have that opportunity that we can hire folks that are really an overlooked segment of, of the job market. Um, and that is, they bring that life experience they bring that understanding of aging mm-hmm. that you don't always get with a younger caregiver. Um, and so that connection and that compassion that comes is just so, it's really a beautiful thing to see. I like that uh, term, pure experience, because I think you're right. Um, automatically, some of those feelings of, of walls being put up might come down. Because it's one thing for me as a, a son to talk to my mom about things she may need, but it's something completely different for maybe someone her, her contemporary to, to say the same thing. Speaking of my mom, it was funny. After we had spoke last time, I picked up the phone and called her. I said, this might be something for you because you're looking for something to do and help out. And maybe, maybe it's only three hours, maybe it's only five hours a week. But there's a lot of options for people who would like to make this part of their own retirement income plan, if you will. Yeah, it's been really rewarding to talk to folks that had another career that was really rewarding for them, but now they're retired or they're, uh, some folks are, you know, widowed or um, divorced. They want to have that connection, especially after COVID. Mm. There's so much isolation and our seniors were really impacted that now that they can get out there and they can have that one-on-one relationship with someone and they can really give back to the community and make a difference in someone's life. It's a really rewarding experience. I could see that. And Tom, in our last conversation, you had mentioned you have someone that works with you that what they do is they take someone to their appointments. That's that's their weekly job, if you will. They drive them there. They drive them to an area that that person doesn't feel comfortable driving as far as traffic and things like that. And there's some companionship that happens along the way, and they've built sort of a friendship. They have. It really has turned into a situation where our client just considers it an outing. She has so much fun. Um, our caregiver doesn't consider it a job. It's Again, it's just like an outing where you're hanging out with you know, somebody you can really relate to. They're both from Minnesota, for example, and they really enjoy that connection. 
Minnesotans. There's a lot of Minnesotans out here. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, if this is sort of interesting to you, I want you to have check out the website because I think that's just really a great resource. It's snowkingseniorcare.com, snowkingseniorcare.com. Look at the website. Now, I understand, Kim, that this is a franchise, but it, it, it ha- it's handled here so locally because of the way that you've structured the local office, if you will. That's right. So we, it's almost like a collection of small businesses. We, um, the, the company itself started in, with an agency in um, Pennsylvania in 1998. And so they have a great history of helping seniors over the years. And we are new t- to, to this. Um, our agency is new, mm-hmm. but uh, we've been in Shoreline for many years. And um, so it is like a family-owned business. But the great thing, I mean, it is a family-owned business, but the great thing is that we have that sort of backbone of the, of the company that can help us with marketing yeah. and those other things that, um, and their experience. So it's been a really great Fit well, it us. sounds like they're growing too as they go across the United States. They are, and you are local, uh, yes. Newport, Newport High. I understand. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so, That's local right. graduates, I love it. Well, um, again, that website for folks is snowkingseniorcare.com. dot com. I guess I'll end with sort of this question, uh, Kim. We talk about the rewarding thing for both your customers and the caregivers. How about for you? Why is it so rewarding to be co owner of this business? Well, I spent a long time in corporate world doing IT, and I felt for a long time that I wanted to do something that made a difference in people's lives, and I found it. <laughs> Everybody has a story mm-hmm. about a care, caring for a loved one, and when we can help a family keep their parent at home, keep their loved one at home, and we can just provide that little extra help, maybe respite care for that family caregiver, it's so rewarding, and you can hear the relief in their voice. It's... um. Makes me cry. <laughs> <But> <laughs> and, that, and that's so hard to quantify, isn't it? Because yeah. it's, it's not a money thing. It's an emotional no, thing. It is. That's it wonderful. Is. Same for you, Tom? Yeah, it really, it really does fill the soul sort of. It's when we find the perfect caregiver and client matchup mm-hmm. and see how well they interact together, it really, it really is special. And you lay your head on the pillow that night, you know you've done something good. Yeah. I love it. Well, I'm going to give out that website one more time, snowkingseniorcare.com. Kim, Tom, congratulations on your past success and as you move forward to, to the into this new year and get started, many, many more successes, I hope, come your way. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you so much. We hope so, too. Well, with that, folks, I want to say thanks again for listening to Spotlight on Success here on Kixie and KKNW AM 1150. Join us next week for another edition of Spotlight on Success. Well, we're out of time for this uh, show for today. Eric, one more time on that survey on KKNW. Yeah, without going into all the details, it's really simple. Just go on our website, 1150kknw.com. It's all right there, all what uh, the rules and regs are and how to do it. 1150kknw.com. Thanks so much for filling it out. You got it. Thank you, Eric. And uh, we're going to be taking a three-week hiatus, and uh, we're going to replay some of the best shows as voted on the uh, listeners and uh, April 19th next week, we're going to rebroadcast ranked choice voting. Washington state was one of the first states to implement that. So we're going to take that on holistic medicine on April 23rd and making a difference in your life on May the 3rd quote of the week. Everybody is a genius, but if you judge a fish by its ability to climb a tree, it will live its whole life believing it is stupid. 
Albert Einstein. This week's Timeless Classic coming up. This week's Timeless Classic has been selected by Rolling Stone Magazine, MTV, and other media outlets as one of the best love songs of all time. It was also nominated for a Grammy Award for Song of the Year and became the number one single in the United States on June 9th, 1984. This song would become the signature melody for this artist. It was actually the last song that was added to the album they were recording just before it was released. From 1984, Cyndi Lauper and Time After Time. Paul Casey, host of Voices of Experience. I want to encourage you to log on to 1150kknw.com. That's 1150kknw.com right now and fill out the 2023 KKNW listener survey. As an added incentive, when you fill out the survey, you will have a chance to win a round trip passage for two on the Victoria Clipper to Victoria, B.C., plus a $100 gift certificate to Famous Dave's Restaurant. So log on to 1150kknw.com for your chance to win. Thank you for all your past listenership and for helping us improve this station. Great prizes might be yours, but you must fill out the survey. One lucky person's name will be drawn on April 23rd, so log on to 1150kknw.com now and fill out the survey. Complete contest rules can be found at 1150kknw.com. 